Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. In this episode, let's discuss the best and worst of horror in 2022. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. James and I are happy to be here discussing one of our favorite film genres, horror, and the year of 2022, and specifically for horror. I think we had, for the most part, an extremely good year. We had some excellent horror films, some of my favorite of the last few years that came out this year. We also got a bunch of pretty disastrous ones, which we'll uh, get into and have a little laugh about. But all in all, it was a really great year for the genre. Very successful as well. Every one of these films, for the most part, performed pretty well. And some of them did incredibly well. Yeah, it was a very mixed year. We had some stud films, some really bangers, legit good horror movies. But then we had some duds for sure. And some, you know, legacy reboots and all sorts of Can't stuff. So it was an eclectic year of horror all over the place. It was. But we had some some gems in there. But hold on, before we begin, though, I want to just break down how you absolutely roasted me before we started filming. You called me, what did you say? I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I said you look like a, a grunge, on your outfit? Yeah, you said I look like a grunge, grunge stoner with running shoes. A grunge stoner. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you because you have the, the, you just got the big flannel and you got the gray jeans and your hair is super long. Yeah. But then you have workout trainers, which does not fit the outfit it at all. It kind of fits the vibe. It does not fit it fits the, vibe. the vibe. You need to throw some chucks or some vans on, not- No, that's too far. No, then no, I no. need to like pick up a base and no, start this playing. No, this does not, this does not work. These yeah, shoes, does. no, these do, These shoes do not go with that. Bro, it's 2023, <laughs> athleisure wear has been here for a while. Yeah, but you have to have athleisure wear with athleisure wear. No, you don't. Not athleisure you don't wear. You with, can have, you can You have, look like you play bass in a Nirvana cover band, but you have. I ran you, there. You, but, but, yeah, you ran there. I ran to the game. You, you did squats before. It doesn't make any sense. Hey, it man, makes you know no what? sense. I think the outfit plays. I think it plays. <laughs> and you know what? This flannel is so cozy and warm. Oh, and it's comfy. a great flannel, yeah. It's a Sherpa it's flannel. It's Wrangler. Wrangler. Anthony recommended it. Whoo! Game changer for Wrangler, the winter. Wrangler's the this great. is not an ad, but this is like such a <laughs> such a comfortable shirt. Like Wrangler should sponsor us because holy crap, this this sweater. yeah. Well, I gave you mine. It's like twenty five bucks yeah, too. I gave you mine for your trip home. I was like, hey, this is nice and warm. Because when we were making the movie, I borrowed it because uh, it's so loose and, yeah. and warm. But like, it's shockingly warm for how thin it is because of the sharp on the inside. But quality, like, it's light, it's flexible, it's you know, it's it's easy to work in. It's it's excellent. You know what it is? It's horrifically warm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I thought that was a funny Tying into the episode. Horrifically warm. <laughs> it's terrifyingly warm. It's terrifyingly comfortable. No, but hey, if it makes you happy, wear whatever you want. I think I look I'm cool. just saying the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad. That sounds like something a six-year-old would say. I, th I think I look really cool today. Dad, do you, do you like my outfit? I think I look really cool. You're wearing a tuxedo and sandals, Jim. Take it off. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, back into this year of horror I think, you know, since lockdown, this is a genre that needed a little bit of energy because there weren't that, nothing really came out in 2020. 2021 was pretty decent for a year. Not a lot of films still came out, but like not a great, a ton of great original horror. But this year, we got a lot of great original ideas. I mean, when you run down the list of movies like Nope, The Black Phone, Barbarian, X, Pearl, Bones and All, based on a book, The Menu, Terrifier 2, Bodies, 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 Mad God, Fresh, lots of great new original ideas 
from the horror genre that we have been treated to all year and it's been a terrific season what a treat it was it was, so, <laughs> it was a, a horrifically delicious treat <laughs> and so we did a ranking of our each of our top 10 horror films from the year actually i have a feeling they're going to be quite different because i've known I've been listening to you here and there talking about like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he listens to me, sometimes he doesn't. And this explains a lot, Anthony. Hey, you're the you know, same. When, when you're talking to me, I'll listen to you here and there. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you'll be talking about horror, and I've noticed you you'll be saying that, oh, this is like my favorite of the year, one of my favorites of the year. And I, would, and I in my head would be like, oh, I don't even have that close to my top. So I think they're going to be different, very different lists. Yeah, probably. Um, but I think we agree on the bad ones. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of people love some of these, you know, not so great horror movies. And hey, don't let us tell you what to like. Yeah. If you like Scream 6, I mean, you like Scream 5. What's wrong with Scream 5? Huh? Was it Scream 5 or Scream, Scream 6? 6? Was it Scream 6? Yeah, yeah Scream yeah, 6. I think. If you like Scream 6. Oh, let me double check. Yeah, Scream 6. I'm right. I'm checking. Just keep, it, keep, keep, keep going. If you liked it, we we were not huge fans of the legacy reboots. It's Scream Five. Scream of Scream Five. I know a lot of people really enjoyed. It. I know Andy, you loved that movie, um, or you liked it. You liked it. I don't know if you loved it, but it's just for us. <laughs> yeah, don't let him speak for you, Andy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is a funny episode. <laughs> Who would have thought it's the horror? Because we're drinking. <laughs> I'm drinking two sips. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm already a glass of wine. I'm just already a funny guy. Yeah, what I can I say? <laughs> Um, don't let us tell you what to like, and if if you don't agree with our opinions, that's fine because we think every list is valid. Your your list and your tastes are valid, but some of them we're going to be honest that we're not huge fans of this year. Um, but you listen, I'm looking to us, at you, you know, listen, you listen to us for our honesty. I'm looking at you. No exit from Hulu. Not a huge fan of that movie, but oh no, exit! Oh yeah, my god, I it gotta, was yeah, a horror movie. About that. that came out this year, but we got, we, we got paid to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> we did get paid to watch No Exit, <laughs> but now the contract's over. Hey, Hulu, sorry. Or, I mean, Disney, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they, I don't think it got any good reviews. So, I think it was overall, though, awesome year because so many horror films came out, even if some weren't that great and some were excellent. Great uh, opening. Thanks, man. I appreciate you want to get into the list? Yeah, let's absolutely go through the list. So, you want to start from our least favorites to our favorites in our, our 10, 1 to 10 list? Uh, that works for me. Yeah. 10 to, 10 to so 1. So, number 10? Number 10, I'm going to start off with Orphan First Kill. In terms of a legacy sequel reboot, it was actually not that bad. Bad story wasn't like amazing or anything, but the kills were very good. And I think it was, I think it, I, I was like, okay, I can accept it, this sequel happening. It was a prequel, obviously, but I was like, you know what? This is actually pretty fun. And if you turn your brain off and you're just like, okay, whatever. It was not that bad of a horror movie, so I have it at number ten. The it, kills, the kills were very good, so that's why I have it on the list. Yeah, it's actually at seventy-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think we talked about the orphan before, actually pretty recently. That is a really good we did, idea. We did a Patreon episode. That's right, we did yeah. a Patreon episode on the orphan movie. Awesome idea for a horror movie, really original, and I think that movie's really solid for uh, original uh, slasher and really interesting. Great character, great kind of like movie villain horror villain movie monster with the orphan she's a monster yeah the orphan first kill is solid it's it for legacy reboot you're right it's pretty good it's, yeah it's better than what i said not it's not horrible exactly yes that's actually a good way mm -hmm. to put it not horrible <laughs> congrats congrats, congrats. On, not, on not being horrible all right my number 10 you know this wasn't a movie i exactly enjoyed but i respect it because it's necessary in the genre terrifier 2 now i looked away quite a bit and some of the gore is very intense, but I think the genre needs gory movies like this done practically, done effectively, 
because horror fans love it. A lot of horror fans love gore fest. This is the ultimate gore fest. Like, it's it's pretty good, and the gore is so intense you might pass out, but probably not because you're actually interested in the film when you're mm. watching it. So it's not just a gore fest. It's a solid movie, solid new killer and horror monster with Art the Clown. And I think, like I said, it's I don't love these kinds of movies, but I I recognize how important they are to the horror genre. We've always had gore fest movies, even though it had that big boom in the 2000s, but I still think they're necessary to keep horror kind of intact as a genre. Yeah, it's an important subgenre of the genre, for sure. Of the genre yeah, genre. I understand. Yeah. But it's disgusting. It's gross. It is very scary. It's it's, it's scary, scary as hell. It's a creepy, it's a creepy it, movie character. It is is disturbing it's as very hell. Creepy. But I recognize its importance. Yeah. So I'm adding it to number ten on my list. Next okay, good one. Next up at number nine, I have Fresh. I thought it was a, a pretty good horror movie. It had a, a nice twist. Ultimately it kind of fizzled out and missed its potential. It had a good start, had a good concept. The actors and the cast were very good, but I think it was ultimately kind of a missed opportunity for what it could have been. I actually had Fresh for my number nine, too. Now, oh, nice. I actually, I think the idea is really solid. I think it did some things really well. And great original story, again, that's why I love horror. Like, my number one criteria for seeing a new horror film, unless it's a franchise... I need to see, see something, something I've never seen before. Never seen before. <laughs> what I am need I? to see something authentic. What am I? <laughs> I need authenticity. <laughs> but I need I need something new. You know, that's what I need from a horror movie. I need it. Fresh gave us something new. Great idea. I love the opening, how it takes literally 30 minutes to get the title card and get the movie going. And it just seems like it starts off as like a the bad dates and trying to yeah. date people and how tough it can be and how you know, nasty people are and how offensive dudes can be on dates. And apparently a lot of uh, female listeners have told us that there is some authenticity to the, the Oh, I've heard horror the stories. Male dates. Yeah. We, we, some... uh, our uh, old roommates told us plenty of horror stories. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I've heard horror it's stories crazy. of Anthony too. It's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but then it opens up and then it turns into a great horror movie of someone. Obviously, spoilers are, are going to go off right now for if you haven't seen Fresh. You know, uh, Sebastian Stan plays a serial killer who captures people, specifically captures women, um, and sells their meat, keeps them alive, and cuts meat off them slowly and sells that meat to people who want to eat human flesh. And great idea for a horror movie, terrifying villain. I liked how how funny the the serial killer was played by Sebastian Stan. He just like took it like it was atypical. Sort of, it's sort of Patrick Bateman, but like more aloof and more silly, less sinister. Not like the most intelligent person alive, but like he's been doing this for a while and he has a normal life and everything. And uh, Daisy Edgar Jones is terrific. This was like a big breakout for her. And then she did uh, the Crawdads movie, which is also another big hit. Where the Crawdads sing. Yeah, the Crawdads it's movie. It's not just the Crawdads movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> yeah, where she eats crawfish. That fucking Crawdads. Yeah, she's just yeah, like, whatever. she pounded crawfish that whole movie. <laughs> Someone gets arrested. I don't know. Um, but it's a really good movie, but I think it could have benefited from a little bit of a change in the third act where I brought this up when I did my own review of it and I'm going to spoil the ending if you haven't seen Fresh just warning right now where they get back at the serial killer and then they end up like killing him but not really killing him at first and then he chases them into the woods like why not kill him like, exactly why not and they kill run him? away after they don't kill him I get it you're scared you want to run away but I think the best way that they could have possibly ended that movie was where they eat him 
and they keep him alive while they're eating him. That would have been a terrific ending. It would have made it a really exceptional horror film instead of just a really good horror film, which it really was. Yeah. But I think if they changed the ending a little bit and went full horror with it and went like a great kind of twist to the ending with the characters and, and really getting revenge on somebody who's been cutting flesh off their bones and, and bodies and selling it and eating it to do it back to them. Good that, for her. That would have been, yeah, yeah, that would have been good for her and the ultimate yeah. revenge to end a horror film. Yeah, so I think it had a great idea, but then it, it didn't deliver ultimately, I think. All right, next up at number eight, I have Smile. Smile was a lot of fun. I thought it was a really interesting new movie monster. <laughs> There's a smile. I'm smiling too. Uh, I thought it was a cool concept, and it was really it was well made, well acted. Um, that lead actress, uh, she's did a phenomenal job. I haven't seen her in anything. I think this is her big breakout. Uh, I think she was in a TV show before this, but she did a fantastic job. Ultimately, the movie had too much CGI for my taste in horror. I think in horror, you have to avoid CGI as much as you can because the roots of horror come from practical effects and practical practical special effects and a lot of this film it could have been prosthetic and special effects but they i think they just went the easier route of cgi for a lot of the gore moments and a lot of the freakier stuff and for me there were moments that really took me out of it especially dead cat at the birthday party it looked so fake anthony wanted a real dead cat do you think 100 percent that it was a cgi cat it was 100%. Yeah. It looks so fake. Yeah. My guess is that they didn't want to maybe disturb the kids on set with having like a, a fake cat, but I feel like you could have just you been a piece of paper that says this is something gross. You could you could have filmed it just showing a close up of the dead cat being held and not have the kids even be in the shot. You could have filmed it that way. You could have just you could have just gone from the kid reaching into the present and then we cut to a close up of it being picked up and none of the kids had to be in. My guess is they didn't want to scare any of the kids on set. That's my estimation. Uh, I think I might be right, but the CGI cat, I almost, I was like, I rolled my, I was like, come on, that looks so fake, guys. Choke me with that dead cat. Grab it, the tail, <laughs> choke me with it. That's a her reference. Sick reference, bro. <laughs> Catherine Wig and Joaquin Phoenix. Kristen Wig. I'm sorry, Kristen Wig. Canceled. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, there, but that's not, there's CGI for a lot of the gore, too. Yeah. Took me out of it. A lot of the bloods, it. yeah. Make it real. Just, it's horror. You gotta, you gotta go real. So, that, those elements really made me put it down a peg. But I thought it was still an intriguing movie. I have it a little higher. I won't say where, but I'll discuss my reasoning when I get to Please, it. Please, I can't wait. <laughs> that, I can't wait to hear your reasoning. That sounded pretty sarcastic. I'm not going to lie, uh, you dick. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Number eight for me, I have The Menu. I really enjoyed this film. Another unique story that we got from the horror genre this year. It was really interesting. Really, really well acted. Uh, the the One of the filmmakers behind Succession uh, made this film and produced by, um, excuse me, uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. Exactly. Thanks. Thank you so <laughs> Not much. Not Judd Apatow. <laughs> no, I said Judd Apatow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's really fun. It's it's hysterical. It's dark as hell. Great characters. Really interesting. It lost me a little bit at the end of the film. Um, I, I guess maybe not. Well, I spoiled fresh, so I'll spoil the. Dude, we're spoiling it all. Yeah, I'll spoil the ending of the menu where it all turns into these people are part of this menu, which is kind of going to become this cult-like ritualistic mass sacrifice and mass suicide. Where Ray Fiennes played this this world renowned chef who's just lost his love for cooking and just wants to go out with his masterpiece, his menu, and the people become the part of the end of the menu where they all just become the s'mores dessert and they all are killed and burned alive with s'mores around their necks. And when I'm watching it, I'm like, first of all, it's a little too like midsummer, a bit much. And also all these people who are just dying to stay alive, ironically, they were trying so hard to live and they have lives that they want to pursue and continue living that they're just going to let willingly there. burn alive yeah. because of this great speech that the the chef gave to them. It just didn't really fit the rest of the film for me. Because it only worked in Midsummer because you had I, <laughs> Midsummer. Midsummer. I, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? Well, because I always say Midsommar, and that's not right. Los Dullers. <laughs> Los Dullers. Uh So I always say Midsommar, which isn't right. So then I, in my head, I was like, in the middle of saying Midsommar, and then I was like, no, say Midsummer. <laughs> so when that happened, in Midsummer, you have the two volunteers who willingly did it, but then, like, uh, the lead a- actor, he's numb. So he can't, he's, he's paralyzed. Numb. He's numb. I'm sorry. His whole body. No, he's not numb. He's paralyzed. Paralyzed, yeah. yeah. So he can't move. Yeah, yeah. So, but the act, the characters in the menu, they are just, they're fine. So it didn't fit. Them sitting there willingly dying. I didn't get that either. Other but, than that, a great yeah. movie. I actually have the menu at seven, so okay. I'll continue talking about it. But other than that, uh, the film was really funny. Great, great dark humor. Also great horror. Sh- shocking moments, especially some of the death scenes were really shocking. I had a great time uh, watching this film. I thought it was terrific. Really well made, well crafted. Uh, it had a great balance of tone. And ultimately, you know, Ray Fiennes does what he always does. He just destroys the screen and became a really great horrific antagonist uh, for the film. I, I really enjoyed the film. We did a review of it uh, like a month ago yeah. after it came out. And we're like amateur foodies. We love like restaurants. We don't go to like high-end restaurants like this. I know? watch a lot of YouTube videos. But yeah. <laughs> I love saying. watching cooking shows and I love watching dishes being prepared and like the the, the concepts behind dishes and food. And I see a lot of food on my Instagram and TikTok. So I love that. And then, you know, you kind of relate to the characters, especially Nicholas Holt's character, who's just like this supposed foodie who really knows nothing about food. Yeah, the irony. You just kind of connect to it. But I I love restaurants and I love food. and I love having a horror movie set in a restaurant like this. It was really cool. And Mm -hmm. and Anya Taylor-Joy killed this role as well. So Nicholas Holt is terrific. He's so funny in it. All right, let's move on. What's your number seven? So my number seven is Crimes of the Future. Now, again, I'm not great with gore, but like Anthony said, it's not that bad. You know, they do a pretty good job with it not being super disgusting, even though it's happening. It's pretty disgusting. 
And I didn't really have to look away that often, maybe a few times, not as much as Terrifier 2. <laughs> <laughs> I even had to look away in, in uh, X once. But um, I enjoyed it. I think David Cronenberg is a really fascinating director, makes really interesting films. His son has a film coming out uh, next year with Mia Goth. Who's now turning into a scream queen. pretty well-known scream queen with Suspiria and X and Pearl and Maxine coming out next year as well, and that as well. And you know, Cronenberg's really cool, really fascinating. Just cool dude. Does whatever the hell he wants, and you just gotta sit there and watch it. And yeah, it's it's enjoyable and how disgusting and weird it is. I'm glad you put it on your list. Thanks, man. I'm glad. Finally got around to it. Finally, <laughs> I told you it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it wasn't. Like, I was okay. It's not like it's not as bad as some of his other movies. I thought I would need to have, like, a couple drinks while I was watching it, but I was okay. <clears throat> At number six, I have The Black Phone, starring Ethan Hawke. I really like the film. I love the character that Ethan Hawke plays. I think that Scott Derrickson is a really cool director. Super cool director. Super cool. <laughs> uh, I like Sinister One a lot. He did a good job with Doctor Strange. Uh, this film was really entertaining. It was exciting. It was uh, unique. I'd never seen anything like it before. He blended a couple of, you know, cliche horror ideas and he kind of mashed them together in a really fun way. I love the use of masks that Ethan Hawke's character um, carries out in the film where the mask actually has two halves and he changes them. And you can see different facial um, expressions based upon what he, mask he has. I thought he was really a terrific presence. But the young cast did a phenomenal job. And the, the two young actors, the, the sister and brother characters, really carried the film and did a, a really standout job. Of holding it all together. Ultimately, I thought it was a really fun time. I had some super good, fun. It was, it was, it was, I, I think horror is fun. I personally, I have a great time. It's like a, it's like a very enjoyable for me. Uh, so I, I enjoyed the film, uh, and it had great scares. It wasn't super jump scary, but more like tension building and like, oh shit, what's gonna happen? I think it had the best jump scare of the year. It though. had, yeah. I, I, you, I, I know you. Thought, I caught air. I, you, I saw you jump. I look like Chad Muska with the boombox <laughs> and Tony Hawk's Pro Skaters. Jesus, specific <laughs> reference. There's a skater you can play with, and he's holding a boombox on his shoulder the Chad whole time. Chad Muska. Yeah, that's great. Great reference. Sick reference, bro. But I liked the film a lot. It was great. I I have it a little higher, so I will, I'll wait to talk about it. But I enjoyed. Yeah, the Black I can't Phone wait to hear what you're reasoning. <laughs> the sarcasm is just coming out of you. It's coming out of your pores, man. Goodness. Number six. That was your six, right? That was my six. My number six is gonna be X. Y'all know we've been talking about Ty West for a while on this show. We've given Ty West as recommendations to so many people on Twitter and Instagram DMs and messages. People always asking us like horror movies to watch. We're always like go through Ty West's filmography. House of the Devil, The Innkeepers, a couple other bangers he's made that just aren't really well known. But this year, this is like the year of Ty West. You where... see that every time. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> every time. You know what? Year of authenticity. You know what? I think I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna... so much authenticity. I'm gonna... I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go now. All right. You can handle the rest of the episode. I can't. I swear you can't say the word. You can't say Ty West without saying this. The year of Ty West. It is the year of Ty West. <laughs> Sorry, he's killing it. He is killing it because yeah. people are finally recognizing who he is. And finally, like, they haven't. No one was. No one's watched his movies. No, I know you're right. Just it's just every time you say it, three times. No, it's been like ten times. Three times. Th three. <laughs> Anyways, 
Okay, so Ty West <laughs> Ty having a good year. <laughs> See, that's better. Yeah. That's the different. It changes it up. Yeah, I'm, coming saying, out. I'm saying change the phrases all. <laughs> Ty West having a good year. He came out with X and Pearl, and the the third film in this little franchise trilogy is coming out next year called Maxine, all starring Mia Goth. X, I think, was just terrific, harkening back to old horror films and just. He hit every beat that you can expect from a classic horror movie, and I, I just love the concept, the the design of the film, and the story. The characters are really interesting. Jenna Ortega is also turning into a Scream Queen. She's in this as well as Scream 5, and also now she's Wednesday Addams, so she's really just also booming in the horror genre, just like Mia Goth. But I really enjoyed the heck out of X. It was really funny, really scary, maybe the most disturbing uh, gore scene I've seen all year besides Terrifier 2 but with uh, Mia Goth which one when Mia Goth is the old lady she also played the old oh woman in the, the kill in, the, in front of the car yeah so in front yeah. of the truck when she's knifing the guy in the throat yeah, and Ty up. West make us watch like yeah. seven slices into the throat yeah. I was just I had to look away after a couple I couldn't take it but I like that. You know, that's why I, I have an enjoyable time at yeah, horror films fun. as well. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> but X we're was X, X was terrific. <laughs> there were some things that I thought were a little corny, like the like the music and the singing I thought was a little off for Oh, me. really? Yeah. For which part? And so when, the... they, when they just break out into song. Uh-huh. I didn't love that uh-huh. part. Okay. But I know that it played as the background track yeah, yeah. for, like, the sequence that was happening, yeah. the little montage scenes. Mm-hmm. And like having the guy play guitar, but Sal Norris just like starts rocking guitar, mm. um, and like someone singing. It didn't completely connect with me, but aside from that, I thought this was like. So you a, just hate joy. It was a near <laughs> music. Uh, it was a near <laughs> perfect horror movie, and I love the uh, crocodile, alligator, whatever's in that pond. I thought yeah, that those great. scenes were terrific. Nice. Like when you see it in the opening uh, from the sky view, it's like it's gonna get. It's her. great shot. I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> All right, let's want to do our number fives and then hit into the intermission. Or how about we'll go into our intermission and then do the second half? Yeah, so right, we cool. just did our sixes. And then we can also still talk about other horror films that have come out this year that didn't make our top yeah, ten yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. So there's still a lot to talk about. Actually, how about we'll do number five, then we'll do that, because we'll have some more on the on the other end. Sounds good. Sounds great, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Your face. <laughs> oh my god. That was the fakest reply. <laughs> it wasn't even human. <laughs> It was like you were like a serial killer trying to blend in. We should. <laughs> Great suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific, other human. <laughs> Hello, fellow human. <laughs> All right, my number five. For horror in 2022 was Luca Guadagnino's terrific Bones and All. Uh, I thought it was really great uh, el- blend of horror and romance, beautifully shot, extremely well acted. It had an awesome cast, uh, great villain, very disturbing moments of gore, like extremely disturbing. Um, I found it to be very powerful and profound for that genre, um, very meditative in a way too. Um, and it was kind of like if Terrence Malick made a horror movie, like this would be, well, he did with, with, um, he did his first movie was horror movie, but not like gory like this. Um, so I think Luca is really one of the best directors alive and all of his films are really magnificent and it was cool to see Timmy do horror. I think he's really, you know, stretching his, his genres, you know, trying things out. He's also a producer on the film too, which is really interesting to see. I love Luca as a director. I'll watch anything he does. He brings artistry uh, to a genre that, you know, you would see is it's like European style filmmaking, but in the horror genre. So it's really magnificent to see, especially his style and his vision in America, which we hadn't seen yet. It's always been in Europe. So I, I loved the film. Um, 
I found it just like very just like mesmerizing and what a great ending too. I have it higher, so I'll talk about it in a little bit when I get to it. But I think I'm I'm assuming Timmy helped purchase the rights to the property. That's why he's listed as a producer on the film and he's probably gets like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. ownership yeah, yeah. On, on the rights sure. to the book. I'm sure. That's usually what a lot of producers do. Like Brad Pitt, he produces a lot of movies. He's just basically securing the rights for the story, for the movie, whether it's being adapted from a book or not. Now, my number five is Jordan Peele's Nope. Now, this might be the best movie, I think, in the genre of the year. However, I don't really consider it like completely a horror movie. So that's why I have it low at number, not low, but I have it at number five on my list because for me, it just feels more just like a straight up sci fi film. There are a lot of sci- I would call it more sci fi too. Because, like, I, I agree. Mean, it's there's scary parts, but when you think about it, like War of the Worlds is scarier than Nope, and War of the Worlds is a sci-fi film. Like I don't consider War of the Worlds really a horror movie. It has a lot of horror elements, and I know Hor- Jordan Peele's uh, horror director. You know, it's really all we've seen from him so far. But I still feel like Nope, at its core, at its heart, is a science fiction film, obviously with an alien uh, intergalactic species. So I don't really consider it. If it was just a straight up horror movie, I'd put it number one. It's the best movie on this list that we've seen. But that's why I have it at number five. But nonetheless, it is terrific. Stunningly filmed in IMAX film by Hoyt Van Hoytema. Uh, Nolan's new DP he's been working with since Interstellar. And the story is excellent. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya is phenomenal. You know, he's Jordan Peele's basically De Niro. That's what he, they call each other. Kiki Palmer's excellent. Acting is terrific. The locations and the shots are, are just mind-blowing. And We actually didn't film our movie Far from these locations. I was thinking that because I recently watched it on a plane, and it was my second time seeing the movie since it's been out because I only saw it once in theaters and IMAX, obviously. The second viewing is really terrific for for Nope. It aged so well and deserves a second, third viewing like pretty pretty soon after you've seen it for the first time in theaters. It just made the experience a little better because you understand everything that's going on, and then you start to get more of the metaphors as you're watching the film. But we did a great uh, episode on Nope. It's just awesome. I love the filmmaking style, mostly practical effects. Jordan Peele, you know, paying homage to so many of his favorite filmmakers, you know, Chris Nolan and him. Huge inspiration from him using practical filmmaking as often as possible. Shooting on IMAX, helping preserve the state of cinema and the state of film. By shooting on film and having it projected in film in some instances where you could see it. Did we see it projected in film? No. no. I thought we did. No, we saw a Dolby. Oh, yeah, you're right. Dolby, Dolby Laser. Dolby IMAX. Yeah, Dolby, Dolby Laser. No, we saw an IMAX. We had the whole crew come down. I think we went to the Dolby screen, though, not the IMAX. No, it was, it was 100% IMAX. We went to the left. So it was Dolby IMAX then. It, it might just be Dolby. It was an IMAX projection. Whatever, yeah. There's no way we didn't see an open IMAX. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay, yeah. I think you're right. I yeah. think it was just Dolby audio with the yeah. IMAX. And any... No, no, because remember... Anyways, because <laughs> we took a photo at the poster on the right. Mm-hmm. We went... It was IMAX. Yeah, it, it was, was IMAX. IMAX. And... What was I saying? So the movie overall, great idea. Jordan Peele is one of the most exciting directors right now. I mean, he's only made three movies, and all three of his movies have surpassed $100 million at the box office, which is a huge accomplishment, not just for a director, but for a strictly horror director. And I thought the idea was really fascinating, so in- interesting. There's just seeing the flying saucer in IMAX just bouncing around that massive screen. You're, like, trying to follow it around. Yeah. They shot it so well. It was Beautiful film, and it just blew my mind, and I, I thought it was terrific. Same. I have it up a little higher, though. So you'll wait to talk about it. You'll you'll see my reasoning. You will see. 
Do you see? Do you All right, see? let's move into our intermission. Then we'll get back to the rest of our top 10 list. I said when we get back, we should do worst movies in the horror genre Ooh. and then do our top four. Ooh, okay. I think that'll that be fun. to me. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. Before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. We have five different perks tiers. We have $2, $5, $10, $25 and $100 tiers. Each one comes with a bunch of awesome perks. Obviously, that $100 tier is the chosen one tier, has the best stuff that you can get. Patreon helps us do the show full time. You keep the lights on. So, thank you so much for your support. And also, we got two weeks pretty much until we are performing our very first live show on Saturday, January 21st. At noon Pacific time, we'll be performing in downtown Los Angeles in person. So you can get tickets to the live show at the theater we're performing at, Dynasty Typewriter. Or you can also watch the live broadcast online and have a digital experience of the event as it's happening online with getting a ticket from moment.co slash Raiders of the Lost. Those live in-person tickets, just go to dynastytypewriter.com. We're right there on the calendar for January 21st. Digital tickets again, moment.co slash Raiders of the Lost. We also have the links for this in our Instagram bios, our social media bios, and I'll put in the bios of the episodes as well. This episode is sponsored by MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. MoviePosters.com has a gigantic library of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable in their poster arsenal, especially in the horror genre. So whatever horror movies you're a fan of, if you want to get a poster for yourself or for a loved one or a friend, you got to go to MoviePosters.com. They also have all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. So whatever you want, they got you covered. Now again, for your poster needs, go to MoviePosters.com. And use our promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. All right, want to do the intermission? Let's begin with the movie quote competition, Anthony. Now. Okay, James. Anthony. Jim. Quid pro quo. Um, hmm. <sighs> the Departed. No, it's a horror movie. Oh, it's a horror movie? I don't know. Sons of the Lambs. Oh. It's one of the scenes with uh, Clarice. Yeah, yeah. And Hannibal. Good one. All right, here's my quote. <clears throat> it is not the violence that sets men apart. It is the distance that he is prepared to go. Hmm. Apocalypse Now? No. I don't know. Lawless. Tom, oh. Hardy, Tom Hardy's character. <clears throat> Need to do a little Southern Raw for that. Yeah, I should have, yeah. Should have. All right, guess this movie release here. It, the original. Hmm. As in, like, the modern original? No, like the, uh, the, first the old TV movies. Let's go with 19. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the 1900s. <laughs> <laughs> 20th century. 1989. 1990. Ah, oh, that's close. Year of our birth. Year of the Lord. Year. <laughs> That's a reference to the movie. Sick reference to our short film. <laughs> James's cameo. Deleted, deleted, yeah, scene. deleted scene. Y'all see the deleted scene soon. I thought I was going to get famous off that, man. Sorry, man. I thought 
It's over now. It was your fault. It was my shot. <laughs> no, no, no. It was you, my moment. You, you were hilarious. I can't wait to show everyone. We might do. We might show deleted scenes. Yeah, I the, think that's a good idea. Yeah, deleted we'll show scenes, deleted scenes. Yeah. at uh, the event, the, the the live show as yeah. well as digital broadcast. We ended up deleting some scenes to keep the runtime short and the story tight. And immediately, they said, "I ha- we have to get rid of Jim and all this movie. We got to eliminate I him. Can't look at his face anymore. <laughs> I already see it enough." <laughs> wow. Jk, Jk. What's your movie year or movie? Black Hawk Down. Ridley, 2003? One. 2001. Damn, it's an old movie. 21 Tom years. Hardy has a old? role in it. A lot of people have roles in that. Yeah. yeah a, lot of, a lot of actors perform in that film. <laughs> they certainly do. <laughs> Tom Hardy's wicked young. He's like wicked young, bro. He's got that, uh, that those short fade, too. <laughs> they all do. <laughs> They're all soldiers. <laughs> movie pop quiz time. <laughs> all right. And Carrie. He's got like this soldier haircut. And Carrie. Obviously, <laughs> Carrie gets a bunch of blood dumped on her when uh-huh. she is named the prom queen. Yes. What kind of animal is that blood from? Pig's blood. Nice. Way to let everyone else guess. <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. You can always answer the question before I finish it. And all you, all you people listening are probably like, oh, there goes that. <laughs> I guess that, that was what I was looking forward to the most is guessing that. But thanks, sorry, Anthony. Sorry, man. Jeez, I try to tell them all the time. I just get so excited. I got to get a flashing light that says, <laughs> hold your it. answer. Hold it. your answer. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> all right. Here's my, my quiz. fucking God, dude. <laughs> Tom Hardy co-stars with Daniel Craig in what film? You know what's funny is because we've gotten so much flack about saying Craig that like when you say Craig, it, it sounds like you said sm- like smoke. Like, <laughs> smoke. Daniel Craig. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure I get the inflection right. I don't want to. Honestly, wasn't yeah. even listening to the question. Can you say it again? <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy co-stars with Daniel Craig in what film? Tom Hardy and Daniel Craig. What? Dan- Daniel Craig. <laughs> Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> what the f- not layer cake. Is is Tom Hardy in layer cake? No. Layer cake? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of the, he's one of his crew. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically the same characters in Rock and Roll. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was gonna say, yeah, handsome Rob. Yeah, it's before you know anyone knew who he was. It's it's funny. I've only seen Rock and Roll once, but like the characters have stuck with me so long. I still think like Idris is super cool in that movie. Tom Hardy's handsome Rob. The the cast is awesome in that movie. Gerard Butler is the yeah, lead. Yeah, yeah, he did a great job as the lead. Uh, what's your what do we got for any haters or unsubscribes this episode? We just filmed uh, an hour ago another episode. We did back to back, so I actually I should have saved some for this episode, but I used them up in that episode. So no unsubscribers. I'm you sorry. emptied the chamber, man. Sorry, I got excited. God damn it! Yeah. Sorry, no unsubscribe. Sorry, guys. All right, well, how about on the stain film? I, history? Just, I guess we just should just leave. Just leave. Just leave. Man. Episode's over. <laughs> on the stain film history today is January fifth. Uh, not. Any movies came out that are worth talking about, but really? lots, lots of good birthdays. No, nothing. Give me one. I didn't write them down because they're all not worth talking well, about. Well, I what? No, I didn't I'm even. Just I, just didn't, I don't think I heard of any of them. Oh, yeah. well, you haven't really watched that many movies, so yeah, I've watched like seven <laughs> movies in my life. Happy birthday <laughs> today to the late George Reeves, who played Superman before Christopher Reeve. Um, plus Robert Duvall, he's 91 today. Wow, Bobby uh, Hayao Miyazaki, he's in his 80s. Oh, wow. Diane Keaton, Bradley Cooper, and January Jones. It's a great list. Yeah. My streaming recommendation for this episode is going to be something that just got added to HBO Max, the entire John Wick franchise. Oh, they got it all? To get ready for wow. John Wick 4. Woo. 
Oh, that was smart by Warner Brothers. I know. That they, trailer for John Wick 4 looks so good. How much do you think they paid for the licensing for a year? What company is John Wick? John Wick is, I believe it's Universal. Let me check. Don't quote me on that. John Wick Production Company. I wonder. John Wick is Diffinite Films. It's on the road. Yes. Universal. Well, who's the distributor? That distributor, would be the big studio. Let's see. Distributor. Whoever bought it. Summit Entertainment. Summit. So, yes. Yeah, well. Summit Entertainment is owned by Lionsgate. Okay, Lionsgate. All right. Lionsgate. Well, that makes sense because Lionsgate has had a deal with Warner Brothers for like the last 15 years. Yeah, they've been working together a lot. It's, but it is distributed by Summit. Summit Entertainment. Yeah, but Summit, Summit's owned, Summit, by, owned by Lionsgate. Lionsgate. Oh, yeah, they bought Summit. Uh, I re yeah, I remember they bought Summit. Because yeah. Summit um, Summit got big, actually, because of Twilight. They were nothing, and then they they made Twilight. You're nothing! <laughs> <laughs> they were just like a tiny... Some dude in a, in a, in a garage <laughs> making home movies. <laughs> they were a very small company, and then they produced Twilight, and Twilight just destroyed at the box office all of them. So then that really built Summit Entertainment into a major studio. Yeah, they did pretty well. Yeah. Those movies, and then they also uh, produced the Hunger Games as well. Oh. So Summit was very successful in the 2000s. My streaming recommendation is, I think, one of the best comedies ever. The 40 Year Old Virgin is now available on Amazon Prime. If you haven't seen it, I couldn't recommend it enough. It's, I think, Stephen Carell. I think Steve Carell's best <laughs> movie. Stephen Carell. <laughs> Stephen Carell. <laughs> Stephen Russell Carell. <laughs> you know, he, he owns a shop in, in New Hampshire. A, a grocery store. store. Yeah, he still works there It's sometimes. a grocery store. <laughs> I, it's, so, it's such a good movie. It really is. Is it too close to home, though, for you? <laughs> here, we go, here we go. Here we go. With the party Every over. time. It's so funny. <laughs> you know, when I picked it, I was like, James is going to gonna, gonna make a 40-year-old virgin joke help, about me. I can't me. help myself. He's going to make a 40-year-old virgin. Funny every time. I think it's the, I think it's you're the, turning red. I think it's the fifth time. I think it's the fifth no, time. No, it's probably the tenth time. Honestly, <laughs> might, time. might be the twentieth. It's time. honestly every time you bring up the forty year old yeah. version. <laughs> it's still funny. But you, you usually say it's like, hey, you're gonna get there one day. You, you, you'll make it happen or one something like that. It's, it's like, it's like, Anthony, don't worry, you won't get there. We won't let it get that bad. <laughs> <laughs> every happen. time, every It'll time, happen, pal. <laughs> every time. <laughs> oh my! You no, know, that's actually the movie where I learned who Thor was. Really? Because in when that, is, when is he talking about Thor? Well, in the film, Catherine Keener, she's like getting sick of him, like not wanting to have sex with her, and it's been what three months of dating. It was th that was their deal, and then when she says, "Hey, I want to have sex," and he panics, and he's like, "Oh," because he, he's so nervous, and he panics. He, he doesn't want to ruin it. And she's like, what do you want? Do you want me to be Thor? I'll be fucking Thor. You want me to be fucking Thor? And I remember when I, oh, I yeah. after the movie, I was like, who the hell is Thor? And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, Thor's like a comic book character. That's how I, that's the first time I ever heard Thor in my life. Well, speaking of Thor and, and Marvel, something you said earlier reminded me of, we just did an episode on Monday on the Safety Brothers Uncut Gems in Good Time. And you brought up Scott, um, Scott Derrickson, how he did Doctor Strange. Yeah. And actually, after they made Good Time, they were approached by what I'm assuming was Marvel, but we just know that it was a major film company to make a, a big-budget superhero movie. I'm assuming it was probably Marvel to make one of their, like, phase three movies. That That's what my guess, because 
they were really the all they they just went after all those indie directors. All you had to do was like have one indie hit, and you were like gonna get hit, uh, a, an offer. Tried to reeled in, get reeled in by Marvel. I, mean, I, I bet it was Marvel. I I believe that DC tried to get Eggers to make something too. No, oh, I mean they're probably still like sending yeah. emails every day. Yeah, I believe. <laughs> I believe so. But I mean, I, I really respect the Safdie brothers for turning it down and making Uncut Gems instead. But that's how they got the funding for Uncut Gems is because they were like, Marvel is coming after us. Can y'all give us some money? Whatever company made uh, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. <laughs> I can't think of that name without that. She she ruined it for me. But that was a great episode. Uncut Gems. We just posted on Monday. Yeah, yeah. Everybody. It was a very good Go episode. Go check it out. We had yeah. a blast. Blast talking about those those movies. All right. It was a jam of an episode. All right. Let's get back. <laughs> like let's get back into our horror movies. Let's start. And talk about, like Andy said, we'll talk about some of the bad horror movies that came out this year that we didn't really like that much. I'm going to start with one. Uh, Alex Garland's Men. And... Canceled. <laughs> hey, I'm going to just, I'm, I'm going to say it. Kidding, I'm kidding. I'm, 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 I'm entitled to my opinion. You're right, you are. I understand what Alex Garland was doing. I understand what he was doing. I found the film to be so in your face and un... It was just so obtuse and also just like... He thought he was being deep, but it was so obvious. And it was like he was literally like spelling it out for you, all the themes he was saying. And it was just like, I was like, come on, man. Ultimately, the theme of the movie, and you'll see, I mean, I'll spoil it right now. The end of the film is like this human, like this monstrous being man who's been tormenting her. Yeah, he he ends up like giving birth to like other versions of himself. And essentially, the metaphor Alex Garland is saying is that men give birth to other men. Who are monsters? Who give birth to other men? Who are monsters? That was and all men are monsters. All men are monsters. She's being hounded by every yeah. man is played by the same yeah. actor. I can't remember yeah. his name from James Bond, uh, Skyfall, and everything. Tony, Toby something, or yeah, he's he's, he's great yeah. in the movie. Yeah, um, and Jesse Jesse Buckley's great too. But the, he plays every every yeah. man looks the same. Every yeah. every male character looks the same because I, they're all I, the yeah, same. I understand what he was doing, but I just I'm not a fan of generalizing an entire group of people into one thing. I think it's really unfair, and I think there are a really there are a lot there are so many decent guys out there. I think, and just to bottle them up and to say that every man is a monster, I found I honestly found it offensive to see it in theaters. And when I watched that movie, I said, "Okay, Alex Garland said that I'm a monster." When I watched that movie, that's how I viewed it, and I felt that that was just like such a simple generalization of. It's three billion people, and it's really ridiculous. Well, don't worry, Anthony. You're a man. No one cares about your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I was really disappointed by men because I thought the trailer was excellent. And was I was trailer, really yeah. excited about it. I love Alex Garland's movies. Ex Machina is one of my favorite movies this century. I think that's a terrific film. And then following it up with Annihilation was also a really good movie. Excellent sci-fi director. Lots of great, unique ideas coming yeah. up, coming from him. Yeah. Really disappointed Smart by him. Smart guy. Though. He wrote 28 Days Later. Yeah. And the thing is, if he had made the other male characters th- different, if it wasn't... The, the thing is, they all have the same face. He's That's him saying all men are monsters. Yeah, so that's why the same guy. Yeah, that's why I took offense to it, honestly. So... No one cares. So I, I thought the film was just really unfair. How about another uh, not-so-great horror movie from 2022? We'll talk about Firestarter, which is oh, a yeah. remake from the Drew Barrymore movie that she started when she was like seven, eight years old um, as a kid. And that movie is solid. 
good horror movie, but this one was just one of those movies like, what are we doing here? Like, why are we remaking this movie? It made almost no money at the box office. I think it, was, it made two mil opening weekend. It was like, yeah, yeah, I think it made five to ten total on a budget of at least 20. Same thing with Men. Men bombed at the box office, lost 824, a bunch of money. Firestar definitely lost money for the studio. I think it was it a Hulu movie. I can't remember, but they released it in theaters. Disney. It's just no, yeah. yeah. Disney owns Hulu. Yeah. If, if it is a Hulu movie, I could it be went. Wrong. It came out on Hulu when streaming. It's came just out. Yeah. really not really a great movie at all. <laughs> it's ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I love the. I love that. It's really not a great movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of all those right. movies. It's like, yeah. why, why, mm -hmm. what are we doing here? All right, here's another one. We actually got paid by Hulu to watch this one, No Exit, and it's about a group of people who wind up, because of a major snowstorm, stuck in this, like, lodge, and so, there's something about, like, there's a kidnapping, and then there's money. Um, it was ridiculous. It was terrible, terrible script, terrible dialogue, decent actors. They did a good job with what they had, but, like... The scenes and the sequences and the conflicts just got more ridiculous and more ridiculous. And you're like, this is absurd. And then there's a moment where uh, uh, the lead character, she's stuck. She's like pinned to the wall from like like something was stuck through her hand, yeah. like Jesus style. Nails. Nails. Yeah, she was nailed to the to the wall. Yeah, Jesus style. She, yeah. Oh, my God. No, that's offensive. I'm just trying to give, like, a visual representation for like, the audience. Like, Jesus style, man. And then she snorted cocaine to get, like, Popeye strength. And Which then, was funny in Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. but it didn't really work. It, it was, And then she, like, pulled herself out. But it was literally like, is this Popeye? It was, it was bad. It was pretty ridiculous. It works in Wolf of Wall Street because it's hilarious. It's moment. a comedy. Yeah, and they're on, yeah. and on the loot. Yeah. Get the loot! You're <laughs> off the phone! <laughs> but I, I agree. I did not like No Exit that much. I, I think it interesting idea, but did not work for me. All right, what else was not a great film? All right, Scream 5. I let's, let's did not it love it. In terms of a legacy reboot, for me, it's really the same movie. I mean, Force Awakens is the same movie as A New Hope, but at least the movie's really well made. You know? And exciting. Force Awakens, yeah. Awakens is a good movie. Like, yeah. I don't care what it says it's about solid. You say what you want about the reboot trilogy. I like Force Awakens. That movie got me really excited about um, Star Wars. It's called Wars. the sequel trilogy. <laughs> I call it the reboot trilogy. <laughs> That's really what it was. Yeah. And I actually enjoyed Force Awakens. It got me, like I said, it got me excited for Star Wars and the future of Star Wars. And now it's led to where we are now with it being a part of our entire lives in every facet of the world in entertainment and co corporate <laughs> commercialism. <laughs> but so nihilistic, man. I know it's a bit much. Um, now I'm now the grunge outfit works. That's the mess. <laughs> now the tuxedos are fucked up. That's the mezcal. <laughs> but for me, the Scream Same movie, even though it, it was literally the same movie, the kills were pretty solid. There's a couple really good ones. But I just did not really like any of the characters. I found it a little too predictable and really unfair to the audience in terms of like who was under the, the ghost face mask killing people in crazy ways compared to – That would require a lot of strength. Yeah, compared they to like – The killer literally lifted um, Dewey up with, like, with one hand. Air. And it, it ended up being the girl and it's like – He's huge. He weighs at least two hundred pounds. So like I was, it was mis. You're, they were really misleading yeah. with who the killer was unfairly, where you never really knew always who Ghostface was. But I was just pretty let down by Scream Five. Thought the script was pretty uh, uh, weak sauce. I, I just did not for love me. It, man. Yeah, for me, 
we were in the theaters, and like within 15 minutes, I was looking at you, and I was like, this is really bad. Like the dialogue was bad, the script was really bad. I found all of the actors to be lacking in any considerable talent, except for Jenna Ortega. I had never seen Jenna Ortega or anything before, and then when the movie was over, after, after we left, and I was like, that girl who played the younger sister was the only good actor in the entire film. Whoa. And then she ended up blowing up because she's an extremely talented actress. But I found the rest of the cast to be completely just like bland, not very, not very good in their roles. And I just, I found everyone unlikable. The the thing with me for Scream Five is because I love Scream. The first Scream movie is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I adore that movie. I've seen it so many times. Never, never ages a day for me personally. Not a day. But you, you could clearly not a wrinkle. see <laughs> not, uh, so many reboots. Obviously, the cash grabs. But Scream Five is the most obvious cash grab I've ever seen for a legacy reboot. It's just so obvious that they don't really care about the the lore. It wasn't they, fun. They don't really yeah. care about the characters. They care so little about them that they're not even paying Nev Campbell to be in the next movie. They don't care. But they know they made some profit off it. They made like twenty to two hundred million. 240 million box office. Was it really that big? Yeah. Are you sure? Pretty sure. I don't think it was that big of a box office. I thought it was like under 100 million. Oh, no. It did really well. That's why they did the, the sixth one like pretty immediately. Hold on. Scream box office. 140 million. On a, but on it, a, it, grew, it, it profited 100 million. Yeah. So obviously they're rebooting it immediately. And I, I think just showing the lack of respect for Nev Campbell shows how they what they actually care about the franchise it's really just going to be a, a mechanism for making money and profit, which obviously movies are a business. Studios are in the business of making movies to make money. They love making movies, a lot of them, but they they love making money. That's the whole point of making movies yeah. is to get a profit on your creative investment and endeavor. But with Scream 5, it just feels like such a huge, obvious cash grab that I really don't really – I didn't really get any enjoyment out of it besides, I guess, some of the kills. But other than that, I just didn't love it Agreed. at all. Agreed. I was really yeah. disappointed. I wanted to like it. Because we love the Scream franchise. Yeah, I man. wanted to like it, but I just didn't. Then the big one. You know the big one. What's the big one? Morbius. Morbius. I am a doctor. I forgot that was a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed it's supposed to be, but it was PG thirteen and had no gore at all. But <laughs> apparently it's a horror movie. Um Jared Leto, I feel like he phoned in his performance big time. Uh it was just we did a whole episode on it. It was a ridiculous, terrible script. Um, decent cast of actors that had nothing to do except just like say terrible dialogue, ridiculous story. Um, I don't know who wrote that or who approved the script, but it was it's def it's up there for worst superhero movies of all time for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it was it was uh, shockingly bad. I think. And like I said, we talked about in the review. Most of the people in the audience, like I went to the bathroom halfway through the movies, I saw. Most people, it wasn't a packed audience or anything, but it was people pretty, were sleeping. Yeah. yeah, people were sleeping in that movie. Yeah, it was pretty bland. Pretty bland. All right, let's get back into good movies. How's that sound? Let's do it. I'm done with my list. Number yeah. four for me. Did I go first or you go first? I went first. All right, you go first. Number four. <clears throat> and number four, I have X. Ty, the year of Ty West. <laughs> the year of Ty West. <laughs> I loved it. I loved the uh, '70s aesthetic. Uh, I loved the characters. The actors all did a wonderful job. Oh, another Jenna Ortega performance. Um, Mia Goth really stole the show. She's a terrific actor. And the first thing I saw her in was Nymphomaniac. And then I've just been watching her career since. She was great in Emma last year with Anya Taylor-Joy. This and movie, Suspiria, she's yes, great. Yes, Suspiria, she's wonderful in the supporting role. But this film has incredible gore, great themes, and just like, I love the setting. 
Ty West shoots on film. It always just feels like an older movie. His movies, except for The Innkeepers, otherwise his movies feel like they were made 30, 40 years ago. This, House of the Devil feels yeah, like a 1970s horror movie. This movie felt like it was made decades ago. I thought it was just a really terrific uh, horror film. Excellent kills. Terrific suspense. The last 20 minutes is just phenomenal horror. Just so exciting, uh, suspenseful. I love the ending. I thought it was really funny and also just like extremely exciting. I had a blast watching the film. I watched it by myself. I actually watched both X and Pearl alone and just loved both experiences. And your your favorite rapper, Kid Cootie, is in it. <laughs> Anthony pronounced it when we talked the about it. The first time I said it. Yeah, yeah, he said Kid Cootie on air. I'm like, you mean Kid Cuddy? <laughs> oh, man. Guilty. All right, my number four is going to be Barbarian. This movie was awesome. New modern contemporary horror film idea with, you know, Airbnbs and Ubers. And it's really fascinating. It's really relatable. You know, we've all taken Ubers to get to some random Airbnb. And it's so odd that we trust our little devices to get us somewhere and do things that we never would have thought of doing because you thought you'd get murdered. With like, strangers. Like 10 yeah. years ago. Just staying at some random house in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of we're in Detroit in this movie, and it's wild. And yes, yeah, Detroit, right? Detroit, yeah, Detroit, Michigan. And I mean, I love the setup for this movie of just like two people booked an Airbnb, and they're just like, "Who's gonna stay here? Like, what's what's the situation? This is really weird. They can't get in contact of the owner of the house." And, and you think Skarsgård's the bad yeah, guy? You, you think, think he is? Of course, he's gonna be the yeah. bad guy. Of course, he's gonna he's gonna try to kill her. But then it turns into this like awkward but cute like kind of. Is it me cute? Yeah, it's sort of. And you know, they agree like they get to like each other, and then. And then shit hits the fan, you know? Then they start going into that basement and they discover that creepy room and then they keep going deeper into the house. And we got this incredible labyrinth maze of tunnels that have been dug out for who knows how long, how many years it took to make these tunnels. And, you know, these people are living under there from the past. We get the flashback of this guy who used to sexually abuse and assault women and he trapped them down there and they had babies down there. And there was the instance of this child that was born there and it's like trying to be a mother because that's the videos of vhs it's exposed to and it's like a like kind of like a monster down there just like trying to find a, a something to love and care for in its own horrific ways and it's terrifying and great prosthetic work great movie idea monster idea terrific second and third act that are so different from the first act that it's just kind of a perfect horror movie in a lot of ways and i really enjoyed it I actually forgot about Barbarian when I made my list. Oh my god, yeah. how could you? So, hey, <laughs> give me a break. What's wrong with you, man? What I, whoa, whoa, hey, what's wrong with me? I'm just, I am entitled. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> These are jokes. All right, all right, all right. Sarcasm. All right. It didn't sound sarcastic. I'm smiling. But I will say, um, I'd only put it at number nine. So what would you move down? I would take Orphan First Kill, and I'd put Barbarian at nine. Gotcha. So fresh ten, Barbarian nine. And I'll tell you why. I thought the film was really fun. I thought it was a great new villain, super fresh, exciting take on the horror genre. I love the flashback sequence, really great filmmaking. But I will say it was the ending that really made me not love it as much as many other people did. And in particular, I'm talking about the climactic moment when <clears throat> Justin Long is so Justin Long is funny great, in this yeah. movie. But the lead actress, I think she's she stole the show. She's phenomenal. Um, I can't remember her name, but she I've never seen her anything before, but 
she's a scene stealer. But at the end of the film, um, she and Justin Long are stuck on top of like that aqueduct, not aqueduct, but like the what do you call it? Like, like a water storage, water storage thing. Yeah, the a big one, you know. And the uh, the the lady monster is coming up the steps towards her, towards them, and then she reaches the top with them, and they have nowhere to go. So Justin Long throws her over the edge, and she falls. And then uh, the crazy the the um, barbarian lady jumps like she runs across the top and then jumps down to save her. And then somehow, even though the drop is probably only fifty feet tops, she somehow defies physics and lands beneath the girl. Even though the girl had already been falling for at least two seconds before the lady even jumped off. For me, the complete throwing away of physics in reality, that took me out of it because she ended up saving the girl by um, breaking her fall. But it's an impossible. It would have been impossible for her to do that. So from when that happened, I was like, that's not possible. So that took me out of the movie. Otherwise, I loved it. It was funny. But I was like, that's not humanly possible in the in the this, that's just not physically possible in the world to do that. So that took me out of it. You know, what I mean? do you understand what I'm saying? No, oh, yeah, <clears throat> I think where you uh, the the physics rule where let's yeah. say you drop two objects from a height at the same exact time. One weighs ten pounds. One weighs hundred pounds. They land at the ground at the same time. Like that's what you're talking they about. They both, yeah. But, when but when, some, when something's in free fall, they fall at the same speed, depending yeah. no matter what the weight is. She fell. Probably three seconds before the lady was able to jump off, and somehow she managed to get below her hey, and man. grab that. But for me, it just took me out of it. Hey man, it's all good. Yeah. So otherwise, I thought it was really good. But that's why I was like, that conclusion. It's funny, but I mean, they kind of he kind of cheated. On well, it. according to this equation, hey, I'm just saying it's just kind of <laughs> it was kind of cheating. It was kind of a cheating resolution. Is all I'm saying. Gotcha. I gotta rewatch that scene again. I've only seen it once, but overall, I liked Barbarian. What do you I, have at number three? Oh, I got a good one. I got Nope at number three. Oh, nice. So I agree with you. Nope, I think is, I don't think it's only, I, I mean, I think it's 50-50 sci-fi and horror because I look at it as a uh, movie monster. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah. So I can still call like it. Jaws. Very, yeah, but I can still call it very much a horror film. Um, I loved it. I had an amazing time at the theater. I thought it had, I thought it had the most horrific scene of the year in it. Oh, Gordy. Yeah. No, no, no. When the um, when we saw the oh, people being consumed, sucking in the body, yeah, 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 consumed by the by the saucer. I thought that was the best horror scene of the year. Um, but I do still, I still do still think it had too many sci-fi elements to be just a straight horror like film. A horror movie, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, this is in my top five of the year for films. Yeah, me too. So I I love the film. I thought it was stunning, gorgeous, really brilliant new idea. On the same thing we've seen a thousand times, and Jordan Peele came up with a just a really terrific twist on the flying saucer on Aliens. It had so much great humor combined with the drama, and a lot of heart with the siblings, plus the great horror. I thought it was all around a really terrific experience. I loved seeing it in IMAX. the The big screen experience was really wonderful. We saw it with a bunch of our our fans slash friends and Patreon it, members yeah, too. Yeah, it was just a really fun night. Um, really terrific, terrific film. I love Jordan Peele. So for Jordan Peele, I think Get Out is one of the best films of the last decade. Us, I think, was a definitely a step down. It was good, but I don't think it's as great as, I mean, a lot of people will say it is. For me, Jordan Peele needed his third film to be really great. 
Um, and then when I saw this film, I was like, okay, I would say he's one of the most exciting directors working in the genre, without a doubt, if not the most exciting director in the genre after Nope, for sure. Yeah, I mean, for contemporary horror directors, it's like Jordan Peele, Ari Aster, Robert Eggers, Lorgos, Yorgos. Those are like top What about three. Ty? Ty West. <laughs> it's the year of Ty West. I'm not saying that he's like the best of them all. Just saying. I would say Yorgos, does, um, he does too many dark comedies to be considered a horror director. I guess. I guess His films right. are never, they're not, I mean, they're horror elements, but they're more darkly comic. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, so. That's a good point. How dare you? No, how dare I? How dare I? How dare, how dare you? you? <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 2. All right, what's uh, your three? Number three, I have The Black Phone. I really enjoyed this film from Scott Cooper. Scott and Cooper. And Ethan Hawke, who, like Anthony brought up earlier, did a terrific horror film, Sinister, before he made Doctor Strange. And I think Ethan Hawke is such a great actor. This guy is aging like fine wine with his career. Handsome like, Hawk. Everyone loves this guy. Generationally, not a lot of actors pull off being adored by every generation. But Ethan Hawke is freaking nailing it. And he's because of Moon Knight, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's t he's really sensational in this movie because I've never seen him do anything like this before. And he's terrifying. And I think... One of the most the most terrifying scene in the movie might be when we just cut to the kitchen. He's just sitting in that chair asleep with his shirt off. I was terrified. And, you know, this concept and this character, the Snatcher, was really scary and seemed real. And, like, this could happen in real life of all these movies, like this horror movie, like, boom, the last year with these films we've been talking about. Like, this one seems like maybe in terms of the side of the supernatural stuff, like, the Snatcher feels like it could be a real person in the world with a serial killer that's snatching these kids on their way home from school or whatever with the the makeup and the ma magician trick with the balloons and everything and the con the the, the there's a depth to the character that we I wish we got more backstory about him and like more backstory about no, him No, I like brother. the mystery. Just a little bit more I don't know. I sometimes I prefer not knowing. True, but I, actually but if you think about it we're getting the backstory through his actions in terms of yeah. how he treats the kids. I think that's probably the kids are revealing. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's the backstory enough. You're right where we're understanding the things that he does to the kids it's based on his childhood probably. Yeah, sometimes the villain is just fine not just having the mystery. You know what? You're right. I just realized the, all the backstories there that we yeah, need. Yeah. And I thought it was a really great idea. I love the child performances were f phenomenal. I love ghost stories and this concept of like the phone is like a kind of a connection to the afterlife of these children whose souls can't really pass on to the next step in after death because their lives were taken too soon. They were stolen from them and they can't really move on until somebody takes the snatcher out and they're mm -hmm. really just trying to help the kid who's stuck down there. And I love like kind of like the ingenious ways he's trying to escape and like crawling and uh, crawling around and, and trapping the snatcher and trying to like tunnel through that wall through the freezer that's locked but then getting vengeance and killing the snatcher himself i thought that was awesome yeah. because we never really see horror movies where the kids who are being tortured the whole goddamn movie take the goddamn killer out themselves he like broke his neck it's always yeah. like a cop shooting the guy did or he something. choke him or did he break his neck he choked him he choked him out yeah i great. thought it was i was like i was cheering go. yeah i was cheering the crowd cheered yeah. remember we, we saw were, there was the, a great crowd the audience applauded yeah. and screamed we were all like them. yeah fuck it was yeah. awesome yeah. it was such a good movie i loved it i will say the the what i didn't like about the film the family drama was a little much yeah and it went too long like the abusive yeah father they have the abusive alcoholic father it went for like 20 minutes before like the snatcher stuff was happening and i was like this first act is quite long of this like terrible family stuff and it kind of felt unnecessary didn't really relate to the plot so i think that if 
if Derrickson had trimmed that down, it would have been a stronger um, overall film. Yeah, but there was a great balance of like realistic horror mixed with supernatural horror. I liked it. I, I yeah. thought it was a great blend because a lot of people can go too far in that supernatural direction. It doesn't really fit the tone of the movie, but they nailed right, it right. with the sister and having the, the visions and everything mm -hmm. and the dreams. 100%. Loved the movie. Loved it. All right, time for number two. We're getting, we're getting to the big Let's leagues. Let's go. At number two, I have Pearl. Ooh, that's high. Ty West, I think, with the, Pearl. The year of Ty West. The year of Ty West. <laughs> I loved X, and then I saw, again, I saw Pearl by myself. And yeah, she's a lot of movies yeah, by himself. I saw The Fablemans by myself. I actually like it. It's nice. Yeah. It's, it generally, I have the theater mostly to myself, which is cool. So you don't have to get mad at anybody? Um, although the Fableman screening was terrible. There was literally five different people from areas talking. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, they showed the kid, they showed Sammy, like, with the film strips taped to his table and then showing how he spliced to film together. Yeah. Someone, like, two rows back was like, oh, so yeah, so film used to be shot and then you'd have to tape and splice it. I'm like, everyone I'm like, knows I'm like, he's literally showing it. You don't have to explain this to this person. There's a heat. Spielberg. Don't, Spiel don't scream so close to the mic. Spielberg is showing it on the screen. You don't have to explain it. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you love the sound of your voice that much? Do you have to explain what's happening? Everyone knows how movies are made. Oh, my God. <laughs> I gave them a dirty look and they stopped talking after that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, the Pearl screening was great. Um, I loved it, and I think it was it surpassed X in a lot of ways. I think that the character development of of uh, Mia Goth's character was phenomenal. Her Pearl, uh, Pearl, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> what's her name? The fucking title character. <laughs> oh my god, um, she has a great seven minute monologue without a cut, which is insane. And then the movie ends with the credits of her just smiling and looking at us fucking like eight eight minutes straight um but other than that the performance for all the scenes is great i like it a lot better than the x i thought the story was really like mesmerizing and so deep and i think it might be ty west's best movie i found it to be very striking um the visuals were terrific i love the filmmaking i love just like the way pro reacts to the the movie theater um guy and He's like, he feels like, hey, I'm uncomfortable, and he's trying to leave, and she's like, what? What did I do wrong? <laughs> she's like freaking, I was like, oh my god, she's selling this so well. And then she just fucking stabs him with a pitchfork. <laughs> and then um, I love the shot where her, um, her, her sister-in-law <laughs> is leaving, uh, and then um, Ty does a leading, uh, tracking, so he's leading them walking, and she's walking, and she's like trying to leave the property. And then Pearl just starts following her with a pick in her hand, and then she starts walking faster. And then Pearl catches up to her and just kills her with the with the pick. I oh my god, the kills were great, and I love the story. I, I love the dance number. He got a little magic realism in there with the with the dance number in front of the judges, and then when they're like, uh. Thanks. Uh, no, no thanks. She, and she's like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> she's so confused of why she didn't get picked. Yeah. I found it to just be a both like terrific horror, but awesome character study while also being like really darkly funny. Like, and she has sex with a scarecrow. Yeah. She has sex with a scarecrow. I mean, come on. Now, That's if you insane. had not seen X first, would you would it have worked as well with Pearl? What do you think? World, Pearl would work great on its own without even without X, X. Being, being seen I would, first. You don't need to see X first at all. They both work on their own, which I think is a great testament to the both films. Um, like, even though you, Pearl is a, a like a 
Uh, it's an origin, origin story. story. Yeah. For origins. <laughs> you get character of yeah. Pearl in you, X. You, you don't know? have to have watched X to watch Pearl yeah. and still enjoy it the same amount that you would. Um, but I think you enjoy it more knowing X. Um, I but, think so too. But I mean, I really because we already kind of yeah. know the character a little bit. But I, and we, I, we know yeah. what's driving her. Yeah, and I love how like she's hiding her her dad and like her dead mom when the guy comes over. I'm like, this is so fucked up. Yeah, I really, I really loved it. It was great. My number two is gonna be Smile. Smile. I really like. I knew this you were movie. putting this high. I was surprised how much I liked this movie. They marketed it so well. You know. They had people like at the playoffs of baseball, Major League Baseball in America, wearing those neon shirts, doing the creepy smile. Yeah, that lady just like smiling in front of the camera yeah, was they, crazy. They had multiple people doing that in multiple games, and this movie passed $100 million like pretty easily for like a $17 million budget. I think the filmmaking was really creative. Uh, I can't remember who the director was, but you know they they did some cool whatever the name was. They did some cool <laughs> camera movements that I thought was really fascinating. There was a lot of uh, tilting and upside down shots, <laughs> although I mean. Uh, Wow. Ari Aster did it first. Such a hater over <laughs> Just here. Saying. Such a hater. Ari Aster did it first. Uh, Smile was directed by Parker Finn. And Parker Finn did a great job. Yeah, I, I thought the idea was really great. I really love It Follows, a horror movie that came out starring Micah Monroe 2014, I think. Um, Damn. Spoiler mom. alerts. It's it's similar to that. It's kind of the same kind of just cursed movie. I love, just, just spoil it. I love cursed movies, all right? And you know, with it follows. Do you love cursed? Yeah, no. <laughs> with Jesse Eisenberg. No, <laughs> have not seen it. The you've werewolf. Seen the werewolf. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah you've it's, seen it. It's all right. Um, I like movie. I love cursed movies. I think they're really fun and really interesting. It follows it's this cursed STD, you could say, where you have sex with somebody who is being followed by the it thing. Spirit it entity, follows. Yeah. It passes on to you at some point once it comes down the chain of people it has to kill. And then Smile is similar where it's not like sex, but it's more based on trauma and seeing somebody die in front of you horrifically, traumatically to get passed on to you. So a curse is being passed on to you that you can't escape. And this movie is really well made. It's really well written. Sosie Bacon Bacon is the lead actress you were trying to think of earlier. That's her name, yeah. Great, really, cool really, name. Really terrific in this She's movie. very good, yeah. Um, sold every scene, sold the fear, the terror, the dread. She's like, kind of like you're going through For her. me, she was so good that everyone else was you not hold, They were not yeah. holding their own against her. I agree. They I were. Agree. It was noticeable. The other actors, every one of them was like, she was killing it. And everyone was like, just saying she, lies. She was on a different level. Yeah. You know, she, she was really terrific. The cop was pretty good, uh, her ex in the film. And you're just feeling her dread and, and the suspense and anxiety of this ticking clock running out. Of At some point, it's going to get her, and she's discovering the secret and understanding it. It's kind of reminds me of The Ring a lot as well with Naomi Watts' character in that movie, trying to discover Especially with the, the timetable. And trying to, yeah. I can beat it, I can solve it, I can figure it out. And you think, at the end of the movie, you think she has figured it out, but no, she doesn't. She gets taken out, she gets killed by the cursed smile, gets passed on. Obviously, we're going to get a sequel to this movie. I can't wait because I love this movie. It had funny moments as well. But, man, I jumped a few times. But I uh, overall, I had a terrific experience watching this in theaters. Yeah, I thought it had a lot of great moments. And, I mean, just because I had it low doesn't mean I didn't like it. I still really enjoyed it. But I will say another thing I forgot to mention is the ending. Um, they pulled this thing where you thought she escaped and then she got out of there and, and killed the thing. And then she went to her boyfriend's, her ex ex's house. I knew that she was still stuck in that cabin. 
And then, oh, when, yeah, me too. And then when it was revealed that she was still stuck in there, I was like, yeah, I already knew that, guys. So I felt like that wasn't a surprising sh- twist for me. I knew I, I knew that was going to happen, too. I was waiting for it, but I was, like, so satisfied by it, where I was like, I knew you didn't. Yeah, I knew there's See, no way I, you could kill it. I was, I was like... Oh, the, I mean, I, I was like, that was pretty obvious that he's, she's going to still be in the cabin. I guess that's the difference between you and, you and I, Anthony. <laughs> I, get, I like to have a good time. <laughs> Did I not just gush about Pearl for 10 minutes straight? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. These are jokes, man. These are jokes. I'm taking it personally. <laughs> Clearly. Anyways. What's, what you got next? At number one. Hold on, I guess take a sip of water for this. Wow, I wonder if we have the same one. For, oh, wait, no, we don't. we don't. You already said this one. At number one for horror of 2022, I have David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. Whoa. Uh, the more. Wait, your throat seems <laughs> like. Sorry. This is like a snail in your throat. Yeah. <laughs> it was an air bubble. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, it's Cronenberg. Uh, the last 12 years has been a little bit off and on. And because he wasn't doing horror. A couple of times. I mean, non, like he, he did like non-horror, like five films in a row. Yeah, Cosmopolis. Uh, uh, yeah, and then Maps of the Future, Maps of the Stars, and then a couple others. Um, he, he's an amazing director, but he's had some some misfires for sure. But he, what I've always admired about David Cronenberg is he makes movies for him. He never compromises. He never makes studio movies. He never sells out. And he makes the movies he wants to make. And I have a lot of respect for him because he makes some weird fucking movies. <laughs> <laughs> Video drums pretty yeah. fucking weird. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Existence is like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and then with Crimes of the Future, I had high hopes for it, especially because the cast is amazing. And they are t- just fantastic. Viggo Mortensen, Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart is fantastic in this movie. I think that if I was going to pick best supporting actress i might pick her as oscar winner she is amazing in her role and she really chameleonized her like she's just unrecognizable even though it's kristen stewart like her performance her mannerisms her manner of speaking just terrific leah sedu i think is just one of the best european actors working today you've seen her in the last couple of bond movies but vigo really sold it i've i just thought it was a really uh genius take about the future so in the future what happens is uh, humans have become basically desensitized to everything. And for them to feel anything, they're starting to um, experience pain to feel. They're inflicting pain upon themselves. That's become just a common thing. Experiencing pain, cutting yourself, um, but in a very practiced way, um, to just to feel something. It's a great metaphor for where our world is going. Um, and Viggo Mortensen's character in particular, working with Leah Seydoux, his partner, they're performance artists, and she performs um, different surgical procedures on him uh, for art shows. And it's like it's a, the new cool kind of performance art is watching him get cut open in different ways, watching her tinker with his organs. And for him, he gets to experience pain, extreme pain, which is what he craves more than anything. And Vigo does an amazing job of the entire film. He's in constant pain in different ways, and even when he's he he wears specific things that are constantly giving him pain, and uh, he he the chairs he had designed for his home cause him pain, and the bed he sleeps in causes him pain. He's just constantly in excruciating, and then sometimes not satisfyingly enough feeling pain. 
He's also he's always chasing more paintings, and they're also both of them are chasing more ways of their craft and their art form and pushing the boundaries of what can we do to me to make it more extreme. And there are also other extreme versions of um, uh, body um, modification and kind of self torture that are other show pieces. This is not specifically what they do. Um, but it had it had so many great resonant themes of what Cronenberg was saying. Of how I, I think he's both in terms of like how, how our culture is becoming desensitized because of technology and we're losing touch with our with in a lot of ways the physical world with the environment with um, who we are. Um, also, there's a new kind of food that is uh, people are eating have found a way to eat pl- rubber and plastic and turn that into an actual biofuel that people can eat. That's another great element that Cronenberg uh, put into the film. But it has a really terrific tone, wonderful score. I have never seen anything like it before, even in Cronenberg's filmography. It was shocking. And getting back to his roots of who he really is as a filmmaker was really a sight to behold. Um, It's one of my favorite movies of the year. Not many people saw it. It made no money. I don't think it's getting any streaming numbers. I don't really know of anyone that saw it. I know George saw it, our friend George. Other than that, I don't really know if anyone else saw it. I haven't seen any talk about it really on social media. But it's a shame because, you know, Cronenberg is such an interesting filmmaker and artist, and um, he pushes the boundaries of storytelling. You know, um, this is really, I think, fascinating stuff, fascinating filmmaking and storytelling and approaches to, you know, I like you say, you want to see something new. I'm always all about like a new experience. I've seen every movie. I've seen every kind of story. Cronenberg is still one of those directors, those rare few directors that manages to push the envelope till still to this day. And it's a special thing. And I think that it was just a flat out a wonderful film. Great pick. Thanks. I love it. I love it. Now on to my number one. Let's hear it. I talked enough. I just ranted. I want you to eat me <laughs> bones and all. <laughs> Bones and all, baby. Luca Guadagnino, my guy. Y'all know how much I, we love this filmmaker. Luca, calling by your name, is terrific. Suspiria is excellent. Bones and all was shockingly good. Obviously, I knew it would be good. It's Luca and Horrifyingly Timmy. Horrifyingly good. Horrifyingly good. Luca and Timmy teaming up again. These two guys are terrific together. Great collaboration. <laughs> like heavyweight boxers. I'm like boxing over here. I'm like throwing crosses and jabs. Luca and Timmy so getting together. <laughs> Beautiful film, as horrific it is. Like we talked about our, we did an episode on and Bones and All, and we were discussing how, like Anthony brought up earlier, Luca Guadagnino coming to America and shooting it, and how his perspective of being an Italian filmmaker growing up in Europe, and how he shoots movies, and how he would shoot America, and how he would shoot the United States traveling in the rural Midwest, especially. Yeah, and I thought it was beautiful landscape shots, cinematography. I love how he opens this movie up with art, just like he does with pretty much most of his movies, and um. Call him by your name. He opens up with the statues and music. And he always film. does title card, trial credits. He, yeah. In this film, he opens up with the oil paintings of the rural Midwest and in southern and states. And the high, what do you call those? Um, power grids. Power, yeah, the towers. Power, power grids with music in the background. Suspira, he opens up with beautiful artistic still shots of uh, the scene that they're they're setting up. So he, he really, I love the way he opens his movies and how they relate to the story in different ways. And Bones and All, not only is it terrifically acted by uh the entire cast just a couple regulars uh from mark rylance is the villain mark rylance is incredible in this great characters 
it's a really interesting concept of cannibals. And like we said in the episode we did about they're not glorifying cannibals. We did a good review of it. It's just an yeah. interesting concept. It's a freaking horror movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. It's, this is not going to make people eat people. Yeah. I understand all this freaking. It's just clickbait, but it's just It's just fascinating to see what a story would look like if cannibals were really common and existed in the world and how they're kind of like a different kind of species from humans and they have yeah. different abilities in terms of their sense of smell and they have different intuitions and instincts compared to just a regular human and how it's genetic and hereditary you can't control it at some point some people they're just they're born with it because one of their parents had it and it's just in their bloodlines in their blood they can't prevent it either they off themselves lock themselves in a room or feed and this great concept of what happens to this girl who's grown up you know her father's been trying to protect her from protect the world from her and trying to last as long as he can until she's 18 to finally leave her because he can't take it anymore he can't keep bouncing town to town and watching her like torment and kill kill people and killing babysitters and killing the kid. fingers off little of girls in yeah. her classes and the the lifestyle must be so difficult and see what happens to that person that young girl who has to make it on her own in this world with this horrible curse another curse that curse. i loved and not, you haven't explained but real quick they're called feeders and well eaters sorry they're called eaters, eaters. You never eat another yeah. eater. And when they eat human flesh, they feel euphoria. So, and they can't, it's like something they crave that they need. It's but kind the, of like a yeah, drug addict. Yeah. And they can't live without yeah. it. So they, that's why they eat people. And they get to the point where like even her mother, she's eating her own hands and yeah. arms because she has to feed on human flesh. And it's about her, it's a coming of age movie at the same time of her, you know, finding young love and like most young love and never lasts. It's not eternal most of the time. And trying to find her own way, meeting these other eaters and feeders of all different kinds. Interesting, terrifying characters, great performances. Uh, Michael Stahlberg, Stahl? Stahlberg. Stahlberg, who's also in Calling By Your Name. He plays Elio's father in that movie, has a terrific monologue. Cy Abelman? <laughs> <laughs> He's in the series, man, the Coen Brothers film. Chloe Sevigny has a has kind of a little um, cameo, small role in the film. Um, obviously, Timothy Chalamet, super talented actor. We love Timmy so much, and he's it's great. Like Andy said, to see him do horror and like horrific characters like this, where a lot of it actors or it actresses wouldn't really take on roles like this. Taylor Russell floored me in this role. She's absolutely terrific in this movie. The rest of the cast is also stacked. I mean from Moonlight. Andre Holland. Andre Holland from Moonlight yeah. is is her father and he's terrific yeah. in this movie. Just it's just such a well-executed movie. The filmmaking is expert. It's shot pristine. on film. It is shot on beautiful, film. gorgeous and terrifying. There aren't that many gore sequences or sequences of us seeing feeding or eating or killing, but when they do happen, you really feel it. It's visceral. Luca wants you to feel like you're in that room, in that backyard, wherever it's happening. He wants you to feel a part of it, and he really does. And I thought it was really terrific uh, storytelling with exposition from the tape left by the father. It's not forced exposition down your throat like in the first 20 minutes. It's just steady throughout. We're learning about the characters, and I, I really freaking love this movie. Great special effects, too. The flesh being torn or eaten, it looked very believable and quite disturbing. I love the film. 
I'm glad you put it at number one. It's an interesting pick. Yeah, and Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the music for it. So oh, it, yeah, it was yeah, really, yeah, it was yeah. really beautiful. Like they did a good dark, job. but also lots of beautiful acoustic guitar. It felt like it felt like Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> if they were cannibals. And, like cannibals, yeah. There's like the feeling of it. And it yeah. is it is beautiful, it's tragic. Obviously, you know, cannibals and feeders, they live a they, they live a life that's meant to end at some point early on. And they're not gonna have a long life. It's it's tough. It's, it's a curse. It is a curse. But I love the movie. And we had, I will say that we did watch a couple bad movies before going to see Bones and All in terms of like our schedule. And this just like re- refreshed my, it my was a palette, palette and yeah. it just made me like, oh, I love movies so much after seeing a couple bad movies. <laughs> we won't seeing, name them. Then seeing Bones and All, I was like, oh, yes, Bones and All, you're so good. <laughs> With the, the movie ended, I was like, that's a fucking movie, dude. Yeah, same. <laughs> We both said that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, That's a fucking movie. Terrific. Um, that wraps our episode on best and worst of horror in 2022. It was an interesting year. Yeah. We got a lot of gems, some duds. Ups and, and overall, downs. just like a great, you know, reboot to the genre after everything. With yeah, a great reboot. Yeah, because like <laughs> next year we'll have plenty more. But like we had a lot to choose from and a lot to watch this year for horror films. Hopefully, you the know. The year of Time West. <laughs> year of Time West. We got some great ones coming next year. I cannot wait to see... Bo is afraid. Ariaster's next film next year, uh-huh. uh, as well as Maxine. Other, yeah, Maxine's coming out next year, so yeah. I'm sure we're gonna have a great list and stacked year as well for 2023. Uh, I mean, this year coming up because it's already 2023 right now. Right now, yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Be sure to get tickets to our live show in person or digital online experience. You can get the tickets, the link in the bio on our Instagram and social media accounts, as well as I'll put them in the links of the episodes of our show, like this one. So just go into the Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube bio. You'll find the links there that you can click on. Thanks so much for tuning in. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. And take care, everybody. See you next time. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast was executive produced by our chosen one patrons. Luke Exelston, Tyler McFly, Darren Singleton, Anthony DeMeo, John A. Graz, Becca Keen, Cody Moen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Cam. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.